1: To Applebaum Potomac Companies, Daniel Patterson, Brunch Digital, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Shirley Maury Hertzbach, and Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth. Mark, will you please give us a rundown on who we have on the air today?
2: Yes, today we have Dolly Oberoi, founder and CEO of C-Squared Technologies. David Shedd, co-founder and VP of Client Services for Mind's Eye Solutions. Bill Ritchie and Andrea Barthello, co-founders of Think Fun, And Rose and Carlos Bonilla, co-founders of Hauling Unlimited.
1: Let's get to our first guest, Dolly Oberoi, CEO of c Square Technologies. Dolly, what is Square Technologies? What are you guys doing? Uh,
3: C-Squared Technologies is an online education, simulation, modeling, AI, data analytics company.
1: And how large or how small is this organization?
3: We are a 500 person company.
1: About 500 people, that's a nice size company. How'd you get a job with this company?
3: I started it.
1: You started this business. Where are you from originally? New Delhi. And how many brothers and sisters do you have?
3: Uh, Four, and I'm number two.
1: Uh How young were you when you came to the United States?
3: I was in my early 20s.
1: Did you come alone or with the family?
3: I came all by myself in search of technology.
1: You came all by yourself in search of technology. Okay. How young were you when you started making money?
3: Uh, About four years old.
1: And what were you doing?
3: I was uh, working for my mom, painting, picking up trash, substitute teaching
1: wait a minute what do you mean substitute teaching at the age of four tell us a little bit more about that
3: so my mom started uh, k-12 through schools for the refugee children and uh, she needed a lot of help because uh, it was a startup and she was bootstrapping so she engaged all four of us uh, to help her out so we were her uh, co-workers
1: uh-huh james could you
4: give me a hand please sure so tell me about uh, the substitute teaching what did you like about that
3: you know, uh, as a four-year-old, kid, there's not much you like. You just uh, stand around and feel powerful and mind the kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: And uh, and so, how long did you were you involved in doing the teaching thing?
3: So I grew up with the school, and um, I, by the time I was 21, when I graduated, I actually started working full time.
4: Okay. So what does that have to do with the business that you're running today?
3: What inspired me to uh, come to the U.S. and start a technology business was that I wanted to take uh, education technology back to India, and that's what actually uh, what I wanted to do. So that became Mm -hmm. a real passion. It became a real passion. Mm -hmm. Mork? Uh, What
2: type of books and movies did you enjoy as a child?
3: I read a lot of uh, history and fiction, history fiction and literature, actually English literature. I loved it.
2: What kind of characters resonated with you? What influenced you?
3: Well, coming from a family of freedom fighters and growing up during, uh, the, uh, just after the independence of India, I was very inspired by Richard Attenborough's movie, Gandhi, because it really gave me, a, it was before my time, so it gave me a window into how I could help with the nation building.
2: How does that tie into your education focus now?
3: So education, uh, my mom started these schools to uh, educate the first generation of learners, and I could see the impact it was having uh, educating very poor children who are now leaders in our country and globally working for Facebook, Google, and transforming their lives. I felt I could do the same.
5: Daniel? So why was it important to you to constantly be thinking about the future?
3: Well, uh, one of the things that I grew up with is that uh, my mom was never uh, satisfied with status quo. She was always pushing us to think ahead. So that's so we all just it became second nature to us. And it's in our DNA to think forward.
5: Is that kind of a core to the company that you're running
1: today? Correct. Yeah. How's How's that fit to the core of the company? I'm not sure I understand. What do you mean?
3: So uh, the company was, uh, I founded the company 30 years ago. Think about it. How can a technology company really survive for 30 years unless it's thinking forward? So every year, every single year we are ideating and like right now we are doing a lot with robotics in learning and uh, adaptive learning, Uh personalized learning. Uh So you're constantly thinking of the next step. Surely. Tell us a little bit about your father. Well, I will be honest, I would not be sitting here in front of you if it weren't for my dad. I was growing up at a time when women did not work. He supported my mom uh, when she started her schools. And then uh, having three daughters was very, very sad for my parents in India because they're a liability. But my father said, each one of my daughters is better than a thousand sons. So he uh, really encouraged us to uh, get educated and step out of our comfort zones.
1: Your father... Give me that again. Your father encouraged you to do what?
3: He encouraged us to get educated and follow our dreams.
1: And that was uncommon back in those days in India?
3: Yes, indeed, because most of my high school friends were married off at 16 or younger, and uh, uh, it was very unusual. My siblings and I uh, were not married, and we went in for higher education and then professions.
5: Huh. Daniel? So you mentioned your father, but uh, I know you said your mom, she's still working, is that correct?
3: Correct. She's uh, 85. She's completely disabled, but she goes to work every day because she's passionate about the impact she makes every day.
5: What kind of work is she doing? She's probably doing something pretty easy and and not too difficult, right?
3: Well, you know, she doesn't let an ant move, so she's still (sighs) doing policy. She goes to her office. She doesn't walk around because she can't move, but uh, she's moving mountains.
5: And you said, is there a foundation that, that you guys are involved in as well?
3: Yes, so she started the foundation. As soon as she started her schools and they started taking off, she made it into a public trust. And she runs that public trust now.
5: So, why is that so important to you and what you do nowadays as well?
3: So having grown up uh, in a very, very poor, destitute uh, situation in uh, India, I saw the impact that she was making. So all four of my three of my siblings and I are very, very involved in uh, moving her legacy forward and seeing the impact that we are making every day. Mm.
1: Jim, Mark, what are you guys thinking?
4: So you clearly have had an impact on the people you've helped educate. What about the impact you're having on your company? It's a large company. What's the culture like?
3: The culture is extremely collaborative and impactful because the work that we do, we improve human performance. We work with the military. We work with uh, aviation industry. We work with a lot of different industries. And our, uh, our mission is to improve their performance through training, through education. So it is a very high impact. We can't make mistakes like the recent situation with the pilots that you saw.
4: So what does your mom think of what you do?
3: She's very impressed because I give back more than anything else. Uh,
1: Has has mom ever been to your office here in the United States?
3: Yes, many times, and she felt that I wasn't educated enough. Two masters were not enough. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, my gosh. How did you feel when your mom walked through the doors of your office?
3: You know, it's so inspirational as a woman because Indian women just were not allowed to even travel to much less work. And especially because everybody asks you, you came here all by yourself without a husband, without a partner. My mom is, uh, I mean, I just feel so proud that I'm here because of both my parents' encouragement.
1: If if I was doing a good job with this interview, what else would I be asking you? What else would you be bringing out? What else is important?
3: Uh, I, I think the, the most important thing is now giving back. I got a lot from the, the culture, the society, even America. Uh, when I came here, everybody's been very supportive. But what can I do to give back and make a difference now? That is really, at the end of the day, every CEO's job is how do we make it a better place than we found it.
2: Mark, what are you thinking? No. I think uh, your parents must be pretty proud of you. Do you, do you have children?
3: I have two children.
2: Are they proud of you?
3: Uh, I hope so.
1: What, what's the similarity between being, it says here you're the uh, CEO of this organization. What's the similarity between being the CEO and being a mom?
3: Well, uh, <laughs> well, I, I have to be honest with you. My um, Both my children look up to me for inspiration and guidance all the time. And I find that uh, um, I am always sought out to mentor and guide and coach my staff too.
1: So you're like the master mother both at home as well as at work.
3: Absolutely I don't think there's any difference frankly speaking because I do treat all my employees as my family members.
1: Wait a minute I read the newspapers I thought business was you know if you don't do a good job you're fired get out of here.
3: You know, unfortunately, we have such a hard time with that concept. So we uh, engage with uh, uh, mentors and coaches and see what we can do to help people perform better. And that is the mission of our company. How do we improve human performance? And if we are not providing mentoring, coaching, and putting all the efforts to help them improve performance, you know, we are not doing our job.
1: Ah, so I see. That's you (laughs) as opposed to either do your job or you get out. It's like you really believe in helping mother and develop, and and they get the best out of your people. It yes, and we
3: have a lot of longevity in the company.
1: Well, that's proof that it's evident that people are happy working there. Yeah. It sounds like yours is a very healthy environment. What's the website address to this organization known as c Square Technologies?
3: C2TI.com. Let me have that again. C2TI.com.
1: We've been speaking with Dolly Overoy, CEO of c Square Technologies, here on Executive News Radio. Please stick around. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name and organization is?
6: Richard Wilde, Richard Wilde Leadership Partners.
1: And uh, Richard, what do you guys do?
6: We do executive coaching, team building, uh, enhancing organizations.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? I grew up in a town called Saugerties, New York. And uh, tell me a little bit what was going on with you, 8 to 14 years old. Well, uh, I would describe that
6: as the crucible for my family.
1: What do you mean? What are you talking about? Well,
6: I'm from a very small family. I actually have no first cousins. One aunt, one uncle, uh, two siblings, and during those years, we had three deaths in the immediate family.
1: Uh huh. How do you think that affected you? What that do to you?
6: Well, it uh, as as the youngest of the siblings, it actually created an opportunity for me to be the uh, the glue and the healer in the family.
1: Oh, my gosh. So as opposed to everybody beating you up or you running away or playing victim, you saw yourself as the glue and the healer. What are you talking about?
6: Well, you, you described uh, uh, someone choosing to be the victim. Uh, that was actually my older brother.
1: Uh-huh. Well, but you you chose to be the glue and the uh, and the healer. What are you talking about there?
6: Uh, mine was a family uh, of people who didn't talk much. Mm-hmm. uh maybe it's my mother's uh vermont stoic roots Mm -hmm. but uh uh, uh, what i was taught was uh uh, you grow up and you deal with your pain internally
1: so it sounds to me like that's exactly what you're doing for a living is you help everybody communicate as the glue that's holding everything together as well Uh, am i correct am i correct about that
6: uh yeah well what i
1: what is the website address of your organization it is RichardWildLeadership.com. Let me have that one more time. RichardWildLeadership.com. We've been speaking with Richard Wild, President of Richard Wild Leadership here on Executive Leaders Radio.
7: I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District.
1: And what is the Boston Business Improvement District?
7: We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston.
1: How, how old is this organization?
7: We're just, just shy of six years old.
1: How long have you been there? How long
7: six years as well.
1: Did you found this organization?
7: Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why,
1: why'd you do that?
7: Well, the the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in Boston.
1: Why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on?
7: <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So
1: your job, you're like, the master connector
7: I feel like the mayor of of and the mayor of innovation because that's uh-huh. what's
1: happening so your idea your thought is that in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people
7: exactly
1: and you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. oh we
7: love it we love it and simple things just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting.
1: So it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a 9 to 5 kind of job oh, for you? Oh hell no.
7: It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So
1: do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah,
7: sure, sure.
1: Let me have the website address of this sure, it's organization.
7: It's bostonbid.com and and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app.
1: Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more time.
7: bostonbid.com
1: it's b-a give me the spelling on B A L L S T
7: O N B I D b-a-l-l-s-t-o-n-b-i-d.com excellent and your name again is tina leone
1: and the name of the organization is the Balsam business improvement district and this has been your business spotlight back in a moment we're back you're listening to executive news radio this year we'd like to introduce david shed co-founder and vice president of client services mind's eye solutions david what is mind's eye solutions
8: we are an e-discovery software solution
1: What's that mean? What are you talking about?
8: We help um, investigations by basically processing data, getting it down to a smaller amount, and having lawyers go through doc by document, determining what's privileged or responsive
1: uh-huh. and produced to the government. Uh, whose idea was this business?
8: Uh, it was my idea. How many how
1: many co-founders do you have?
8: I have three, including myself. So two other co-founders.
1: Uh huh. So you feel comfortable? How long have you guys been in business together? Uh, ten years. Wow, so you guys really must trust each other, it is I assume.
8: Uh, one of my the CEO and I went to high school together. So, so
1: you, you really have a close, re- it's really it sounds like close relationships. What kind of sports did you play when you were a kid?
8: I played a lot of soccer growing up.
1: Uh-huh. What was your role on the team? I was captain of the team for 5 years you were captain of the team for five years what, what was what was your what, what did you do to be the captain as you, as you, in your role as captain what was your role as captain what were you doing
8: uh, organizing and bringing the group together and trying to get us all to um, you know we were an American team playing German soccer pl- uh, teams and mm-hmm. so we were going to beat the German soccer teams.
1: so you were you were pulling the team together and trying to get the best what's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays
8: uh, basically group management, bringing everyone together, having everyone row in the same direction is crucial to business. Mark?
2: So you moved moved around a little bit, which means forming new groups of friends. What was your role in that group of friends, each of those groups of friends?
8: Uh, putting everyone at ease, comedy, social lubricant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. And does that uh,
2: translate into how you run your company or how you see your employees?
8: Yes. Um, I always try to get everyone to voice their opinions, voice their ideas, but if things get heated, which they inevitably do, I'm someone who can typically break it up pretty easily just by uh, sidestepping joke here mm-hmm. and there.
2: Is that your role with the co-founders? Yes. Shirley? Okay.
8: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Tell me a little bit about your siblings. How many brothers and sisters do you have?
8: I have an uh, older brother and an older sister.
0: And so what was your relationship like when you were young and how would you say that correlates to business?
8: Oh, uh, me and my brother uh, would fight a lot and we uh, would, uh, you know,
1: go to battle <laughs> a what, lot. You, what did your brother teach you about business?
8: Um, you know, he taught me that you need to uh, stand up and fight for
1: what you, what'd you would what'd believe in. You, what Would your sister teach you about business?
8: emotional intelligence because she would be there to take my side and help me when uh... my brother was uh... beating me <laughs> and
1: how does and how, and that help you in business
8: um, it helps me take two two approaches one of being able to voice my opinion but also see when things are getting uh, derailed and bring everyone back in the loop
4: hmm, Interesting, jim so what classes did you enjoy as, as a kid
8: uh... math and science were probably my stronger classes
4: and what uh, what attracted you to that
8: Um, probably the fact that there is a logical solution or a outcome that you get to and that's the answer, but there's many paths to take to get to that. And how do you bring that to work every day? Um, being, you know, it's very important in my line of work to be precise, uh, to give a direct answer. There can be many ways to get there, but to communicate that to clients is very important.
5: So I understand um, your,
8: your dad lost his job when, when you were a kid. I guess What did that do to you having to pivot like that? Yeah, so he lost his job a few times and not by lack of his uh, effort at work, but it definitely made me personally distrust businesses to see someone put their time and hard work in and then be let go through a downturn of the economy uh, or the company. D- did you think that, that that kind of lended
5: itself to you starting your own business? I guess how did that affect what you're doing now? It
8: absolutely did because I felt that if you're going to risk it, Why not risk it for your own company, rather than risking going to war for someone and letting them control your fate? Sure. And what did your mom kind of teach you during those kind of phases uh, of life? She was always kind of a a rebel when she was younger. So, um, you know, we found a notebook when moving out that said, change the world uh, on the notebook. And so she would always say, you know, if somebody, if you don't agree with something, just, you know... Um, disagree with that person respectfully even if it was a teacher or a person in authority but to make sure your voice
4: was heard Is she, she proud of you and what you're doing nowadays? Yes Yeah. yeah I picked him. So you said you had a health scare at 13 tell us about that
8: Yeah so when I was playing soccer I passed out right in the middle of the game and I woke up to all the players looking down at me And what was that? Uh, it was a heart problem that was diagnosed and basically when they diagnosed it my heart was going 200 beats a minute 40% of the day So that had to be scary to go through
4: at that age. Uh, So what impact has that had on you?
8: Uh, It definitely makes me realize that uh, anything can happen, anything can pop up, uh, and also that time is short and limited, and that you need to really act uh, efficiently
4: while you have the time. So how do you bring that to work?
8: Um, I bring it to work by trying to get my team to execute on things and getting us to move faster. So if you are agile and you know and you can pivot and do things quicker, rather than ap- acting like a large, gigantic company, I think that's an important aspect.
1: Hmm. So you have a sense of urgency, which plays out well in business. And it also sounds to me, wasn't there something, Shirley, about uh, the sports? sports.
0: The yeah, we were wondering what effect that whole heart scare had on your soccer.
1: My soccer
8: prowess.
0: Yes.
8: (laughs) Um, So uh, that was when I was 13 going to 14. And that's when everybody grows and really sets themselves apart. And so um, I actually moved from Germany back to Virginia during that time. And also I could not uh, I lost a step because of that. Um, And so I couldn't get on the select teams or the teams that I really wanted to get on. So I had to reboot and go with an S.Y.A. team and We won the whole championship and did everything. Uh, So from there, I went on to a select team and actually got on a select team that started from the ground up and we
1: built up. So what I'm picking up here is that you had a reboot. It was like a startup. Yeah. Do you think that prepared you to do a startup?
8: Uh, It definitely uh, helped. (laughs) What do you mean, how? Um, I mean, it, it makes you realize that sometimes you have to go back and do things, even though if you think you're the best at something, you have to go back and learn again and, and start again, and that happens all the time in business. How? Um, if you think you have the pulse of the customer and you think you know what the customer wants, you there's nobody better than the collective voice of the customer. You're not smarter than your customer. And so you have to go reboot and bring things back up to light, And even if you've been doing it for 10 years.
1: Uh, so you have you mentioned you have two partners for ten years, which is rare that you guys aren't suing each other. And I mean, it sounds like <laughs> there's a really healthy relationship yeah. here. I'm trying to figure out, you know, where'd you get comfortable that you can really trust other people as opposed to have to do it yourself. And you mentioned that your dad was the coach of your soccer team. Yeah. Did you have a close relationship with him, and do you think that maybe your relationship with your dad helped you give comfort that you can really have a trusting relationship with another? Uh, Figure?
8: Yeah, I, I definitely helped. I mean, I was basically like he was the CEO, as the COO. I mean, like I had to go help him do a lot of things and go from different tournaments and go from. Um, you know, you help the them organize. Yeah, good. I was
1: wondering if this was your idea, this business, how come you're not the CEO? But it sounds to me like you were comfortable with your dad being the CEO. It sounds like your partner, you're comfortable with your partner being the CEO.
8: Yep. Uh, One of the reasons for that is I wanted my title to be something where people could feel that they could complain and go higher. And I didn't want to look like a small company. I don't want to get on with the client and say, oh, here's the COO solving your problem.
1: Oh, boy, you are a trusting soul. Mark, what are you picking up? <laughs> So
2: growing up, uh, who other th- what adult other than your parents had a major influence on your life?
8: Um, probably my granddad. Uh, he was a two-star general and so in the Army. And so uh, he definitely, he was, but he was very um, accommodating, like very humble, um, but obviously ruled the roost, you know. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, definitely a big influence in my life. Do you
2: think you share some characteristics with him?
8: I definitely do. I think the, the social lubricant side, like he was always there to put people at ease, even though, I mean, here's a two-star general walking in a room who would command <laughs> brigades, mm-hmm. and he's there just, you know, joking with people and having a good time.
1: What's, what's the best part of your job?
8: Uh, the best part of my job is probably I, I like working with my team, and I like talking to people, talking to clients.
4: Uh, yeah, what do you, what do you so you you're, you had said that your dad had this kind of or created this mistrust of companies, but it sounds like you have taken that just the opposite and created an environment of trust within your company.
8: Yeah, I think uh, with the emotional intelligence side, you, I want to put people at ease. I want to put people uh, to do to perform at their best. And I think that if you're working in a too high-strung environment uh, or distrusting environment, that that won't happen.
1: Wow, so it sounds like a lot of the stuff that you saw, the, you, you you like bringing change to stuff. You like doing things in a creative, your own kind of way, but with other people. It sounds like that's what a team's all about. It's like, like that's what soccer is about. What's a better way to win this game? How do you marshal all the team members around it? It sounds like that's what you're doing nowadays, and you don't have to be the dominant influence. Rather, you're comfortable appointing others. What's the website address for your organization?
8: It is mindseyesolutions.com. Let me have that again. Mindseyesolutions.com.
1: We've been speaking with David Shedd, co-founder and vice president of client services, Minds Eye Solutions here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you
9: were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic, where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care.
1: And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do?
9: So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64, who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math
1: again. Give me how that works.
9: So essentially, I have a a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from eight dollars uh in care for our patients
1: because you've been able to enroll
9: the support of so many volunteers you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars and making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest and
1: didn't ah uh, interesting so private businesses and individuals can get involved and didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself what were they
9: i have i've had four open heart surgeries and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need what are you talking about what do you mean So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did did you learn from those experiences
1: personally? What do you appreciate
9: that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, Mm -hmm. parents, Mm -hmm. family— all those people consistently being around me, consistently offering me hope, uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudoun Free Clinic? org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've
1: been
10: speaking
9: with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you.
10: This is John Shuhart. Join us, joining us for our Business Spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry.
11: I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, yeah. a five hundred one c three nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia.
10: And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax?
11: I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So, what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax, do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the one point one million people who live in the county, and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there.
10: So, uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax?
11: It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I. And we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like like they're our our friends. So So we get to come in and just plan great events for them.
10: What makes those events so special?
11: We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy, and that's an important thing. People want that ROI back.
10: So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid?
11: No, never. I I think that when I was a kid, I was was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things.
10: So what was it about being a kid that led you to this?
11: Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's it's the same principle. So when do you first
10: start overcoming big challenges as a kid?
11: Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me, I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is celebratefairfax.com.
10: This is John Shuhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight.
1: We're back. You're listening to Executive News Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Andrea Barthello and Bill Ritchie, co founders and spouses of uh, Think Fun. Uh, Andrea and Bill, what is Think Fun? What do you guys do?
12: We create mind challenging games that challenge your mind.
1: And how large or how small is this team and revenue and stuff like that?
12: We have 40 employees. Uh, 25 to 30 million in revenue and it's a global
1: company Uh uh-huh and uh bill uh, how many brothers and sisters you got
13: i have two brothers and a sister i'm the youngest one
1: you're the youngest of four what was going on with you eight to 14 in the family what was the family all about
13: well my father was a bell labs scientist and my oldest brother 13 years older than me was coming into bell labs at the time um so i was a little kid trying to figure my way in a very bright family
1: so you had a lot of respect for your dad and your brother. You mentioned earlier in the green room you had a lot to prove. What do you mean you had a lot to prove?
13: Well, it was a, it was a family where y- there were these sort of unspoken expectations that you were going to be brilliant and amazing. And wow. other
1: people
12: in my family sort
1: uh-huh, of already were. I and gotcha, Andrea, where are you, you from originally?
12: Uh, Air Force uh, uh, child oh born see, in Spokane, go Washington.
1: Around. Gotcha. How many brothers and sisters?
12: Um, there are five. I'm number two of five.
1: Uh-huh. And well, eight to fourteen. What was going on with you?
12: Um, I was sort of the wild child, pushing the envelope as much as I could, give asking the question why.
1: Uh, give us an example. Of what kind of sports you were up to?
12: I was a pitcher and captain of a softball team.
1: Uh-huh. What was your, your pitcher and captain? Why were you? How long were you the captain for? And why were you the captain?
12: Uh, I think it was two years. Um, I was voted, or you know. Mm-hmm. put up to be the captain
1: uh-huh. what was your role what did you figure your role as captain was
12: uh looking back i see i was a, a really pretty good leader um what's that cohesive mean? bring making a cohesive team where everyone felt like they mattered
1: anything connection any what's the connection between that and what you're doing nowadays
12: well i i love a well-oiled machine i like uh, i like it when people get along they work hard as a team and, where's,
1: and where's bill fit into you
12: Uh, well, so Bill and I are married. He is a creative, uh, wacko. I call him with Uh love and respect. Uh, Uh, Bill has the ability to communicate with some of the brightest minds in the world to bring products into a hands-on experience.
1: Uh, so Bill uh, is what's interesting to me is, as opposed to everybody thinking you're the genius of the family, you thought everybody else was the genius of the family. And I'm wondering how that's affecting your building the team. You're not the dominant genius, are you?
13: no I'm one of my things growing up was figuring out how to talk to my brother and my father and uh, and the other Bell Labs people that sort of came into our lives
1: how's that affecting your building the business and the team
13: well what I discovered was that um, if I could basically appreciate great ideas that were out there and learn how to enable them that uh, that was a great role Perfect. for me to play. so you
1: don't have headroom on the business in terms of creativity because you're not going to be limiting it Mark what are you thinking
2: so, uh, for both of you, what what uh, when you were growing up, what sort of brought you peace and joy? What kind of activities, Phil? Uh,
13: for me, um, I read a lot of Hardy Boys books. I fantasized about adventuring and traveling. Read a lot of books about going out west, that kind of stuff. Wanderlust,
2: Andrea.
12: Um, I recalling I read a lot of Pippi Longstocking and Nancy Drew, and I thought they were just uh, you know badass young women.
2: Mm -hmm. So both of those were sort of creative, adventurous, highly visually evocative kind of experiences. Do you think that the people who buy your puzzles and games uh, get the same kind of joy?
12: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think what we do is we we draw them in, we make them feel comfortable, and then they get this sort of aha moments of of joy at feeling their brains uh, explode in a good way.
2: How important is that to, to you as far as uh, how your company grows and where it, where it's heading?
12: I think the ability to bring something good to the world that actually has a domino effect out into the ether is uh, is a huge privilege.
1: Jim.
4: So you had mentioned that you had had uh, some games that uh, somebody had given you. Tell us a little bit about those as a kid.
13: Right. Well, my father's best friend, a guy named Bill Keister, was an inventive genius, a Bell Labs guy. And he, as one of his hobbies, created mechanical puzzles that uh, conveyed logical principles, Boolean algebra, and things like that. And uh, when I was a kid, about the time, seven, eight years old, my mom used to buy them like Six of them for Christmas that he'd build in his workshop. So I got exposed to these toys when I was a, a kid, and they ended up being the things that we started our company. Around. So that was
4: the spark for the business itself.
13: It was a spark for the business itself. Yeah, yeah. D-
12: we we were dating, and I said, "Hey, we'll just get these made, and we'll start a company."
13: That's and great. And I thought, what a great idea.
1: So these, so you've translated <laughs> these physical world uh, into online?
13: No, no, they're all physical. You buy them in the toy store.
1: How interesting.
5: Daniel. Bill, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Wanderlust was something that kind of motivated you. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that was an important to you when you were a kid?
13: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was different than the other people in my family. I was more entrepreneurial and I, nobody else had Wanderlust. So when I was 12 years old, I remember begging my parents to take me to Niagara Falls and they wouldn't. Um, and so by the time I was 15, I figured out how to do it myself. i Took a trip around, six week trip around the country with two cousins, and then from there I was just travel as much as I could. I, I bicycled the main coast when I was 16, I went to Outward Bound when I was 17, I hitchhiked mm-hmm. to Alaska. So, why was it so
5: I, important to you, I guess? W- what were you trying to learn from, from traveling so much?
13: You know, I don't know if it was a learning thing, it was more I kind of burned with and just some, I had a burning inside me to do it. Uh, mm-hmm.
12: And I,
4: I just ex- so executed on it. Andrew, you would mentioned that your uh, dad had a, a saying. What was that?
12: Um, he he was a pilot in the Air Force, and um, he would say the times um, that he enjoyed the most were those times when he was on the very edge of great success or great failure, which I interpreted he didn't want to crash a plane. <laughs> um, and I, I took that with me always, and I, I love that feeling of being on that knife's edge of, and I believe I can make anything happen, and somehow. So
4: you've um, continued to do that throughout your
1: career in building yep. the company? Yes, how's that how's that fit into building a business I'm not sure I understand
12: Um, we started a business from scratch before computers Um, we had to create everything so I like the blank space no paper and so you're either gonna get customers and keep going or you're not I mean we were bootstrapped so every single day was you know we're gonna survive or we're not
5: so you talked about taking risks as a kid and I'm sure a startup that's taking a risk too. What what kind of risks were you taking when you were a kid?
12: Well, I, I loved to push anything I was doing right to the edge. I mean, I, I loved horseback riding. I would tear through the woods on a horse named Casper, uh, where there are branches flying all over the place and my head down and just going as fast as possible. Water skiing, same kind of thing. What going did, what did all buoys. those things
5: teach you? I mean, how, how do you still evoke those nowadays?
12: Um, I, I think the idea of pushing yourself as hard as you can um, and having the confidence that you can make something happen It doesn't mean you succeed every time, but that's okay. Um, it's just thrilling
1: yeah. Mark, what are you thinking?
2: So thinking about uh, you know the, the, the people that you influence who, growing up who did you influence?
12: You know one person in particular uh, my mother just reminded me I was a friend of mine um was missing her right arm, and she w- her mom didn't want her to ride a bicycle because she was afraid, and she had a, a contraption and a hook, you know, a long time ago, and I convinced her mom to let me teach her to ride a bicycle, and I think because I like to... Um, I like to mentor people now. I mean, many years later, and I think it started then. And
1: uh, wow, you also mentioned uh, we, we were talking earlier in the green room about your confidence, and you mentioned one day your dad uh, <clears throat> had to go away, and your role and you and your role changed in the family. What was that all about?
12: So my dad went to Vietnam when I was nine or ten. Um, there were five kids. One, um, my little sister was two. We were packed in a VW Bug going to Friendship Airport, at, which is now BWI. And we were all crying and my mother said, um, okay, that's it. We got to move forward. And I took that as a signal really to say, okay, we're a team and we have to make this work. And I just happened to have kind of a strong personality. So I kind of felt like I was her right hand without it being a conversation.
1: So as opposed to mom saying, you know, take a, you know, give me a hand here. You just sort of like stepped up. Yes. Uh huh. What's that tell us about your personality? And how's that helped you build a success, a, a very successful business?
12: You know, in some ways, um, I'm really fearless, and I have a lot of confidence, and um, these days it translates into getting a parking space anywhere I want, <laughs> and that's really true, and uh, I I just, um, I think it grew over time. I, I was probably born with a bit of it, but...
1: So it sounds like you and Bill are like really well-matched in terms to build this business together. You've got the guts, the courage, the strength, the vision, the people skills to build the team and Bill's got the ideas am I right or wrong about that?
12: yeah we're incredibly lucky we're really good at different things and the combination of both of them is is really what's made this work
1: so I've got Andrea's opinion on that William am I correct or am I mistaken in my assumptions (laughs)
13: Uh, well I think you're absolutely correct the one thing is we're both very strong personalities and when the personalities clash that's where the oh, good stuff is. I didn't know ends. about that stuff.
1: I we you? <laughs> to know you here in the green room.
12: And we have two incredible children. Too. What's the website address of this organization? Thinkfun.com. Let me have that again. Thinkfun.com. i
1: speaking with Andrea Barthello and Bill Ritchie, co-founders of ThinkFun here on Executive Leaders Radio. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow grow. Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earn millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. To hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the show with Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Rose and Carlos Vanilla, co founders of an organization called Hauling Unlimited. Carlos, what is Hauling Unlimited? What are you guys doing?
14: Hauling Unlimited. We are in the construction industry and we disposed and hauled. Um, debris and construction materials.
1: How large or how small is this organization?
14: We are a 25 people uh, Mm -hmm. company.
1: And uh, where are you from originally?
14: I was born in Honduras. Uh Uh-huh, and
1: how many brothers and sisters?
14: I'm the oldest of four.
1: And tell me about how young were you when you came to the United States?
14: I was 18 years old when I came.
1: 18 years old, and what was it like, uh, the transition from uh, Honduras to the United States?
14: It was not easy. it, it was it was challenging why was it challenging because i have many disadvantages when i came over here like what
1: what are you talking about
14: well one of the disadvantages that i have um first it was the language you know i i, I didn't speak english so very a well
1: So you didn't speak english it's, uh, so how that's such a big deal
14: it was because i had to adapt to a new culture and i have to learn different uh 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 know new people and, and how were you treated First, I felt uh, intimidated because in most of the groups that I was in, I was the only Spanish peop- uh, person in there. That could be difficult. How
1: about getting a job or going to school?
14: Uh, it was a challenge, but mm-hmm. it was something that it didn't stop me to... You know.
1: Ah, there's the tenacious piece. Rose, where are you from originally?
0: Honduras also.
1: Uh-huh. How young were you when you came to the United States? Eight years old. How many brothers and sisters?
0: Four of us. Uh, uh-huh. And tell me a little bit about the
1: transition from uh, Honduras to the United States. What was that like for you?
0: It was very difficult. Uh, we moved into a house for six of us uh, in one room.
1: Uh huh. And tell me a little bit more about where you came from and what you moved to. What was it like living in Honduras?
0: Open fields, a uh, lot of fields with every fruit you can imagine. And when
1: you came to the United States?
0: We were in uh either in school or we were in an apartment that uh-huh. was maybe and what was 10 that by transition
1: 10? like for you going but going to a, going to an american school
0: the most difficult but also the best thing that could have happened because Wh- that first year showed me that i needed to learn faster do better than everybody else what do you because mean you had to
1: learn faster and do better? What are you talking about?
0: For the first year, I was bullied for from everybody, Spanish, anybody you can think of, because I didn't speak the language, I didn't mm-hmm. eat their food, and oh, I you didn't had an understand. experience
1: much like Carlos. Daniel.
5: Carlos, uh, what would you say that, that was different about you when you were growing up?
14: I think it was the ambition to grow um, and make... Um, someone, somebody else in, in this country.
5: Sure, and and you mentioned something that happened when you were 15. Can you just talk a little bit about that and what effect it had on you?
14: Yes. Uh, when I was 15, um, uh, I have a sister, and, you know, she committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did that do to your role in the family? It, it put a lot of stress because I had to step up, and, you know, now being uh, an older brother uh, to look out for my, my other Problem. Did somebody
1: ask you to step up, or you just choose to do that?
14: No, I have to. I have to do it because uh, I, I felt that it was it. a responsibility.
1: What's that have to do with building a business?
14: It's, it has a lot to do, actually, because uh, it's when when you had to when you see something it's failing, you have to step up and and and, and figure out a way to bring that back ah, together.
1: Now I understand. Uh huh. All right, Mark.
14: So Rose,
2: what did you moved at eight? What did you remember and what did you bring with you? You know, what are sort of the sights, the sounds, the smells, the ambiance, etc., that you brought with you?
0: Uh, that I brought with me, we, const- my family and I constantly tried to keep the culture alive because you're in an American school getting taught everything about the American culture and obviously we need to learn English, become fluent, but we couldn't forget our Hispanic culture. That was very difficult, and in in fact, even to this Mm -hmm. day, it's very difficult.
1: And Carlos, what did you bring with from uh, Honduras?
14: I think what I brought is uh, the morals that my parents taught me. What Um, are you talking
1: about? What do you mean?
14: All the uh, you know virtues from my from my family, um, I always kept, and I think that's very important. What kind of virtues? um hard working you know my mom and, and dad they were how they were you doing, very how hard working. Were
1: you when you started working when you started making money
14: 14 years old doing what um, I was kind of doing all kind of work uh, school was a priority but I was you know doing restaurant uh, construction work
1: this was in Honduras Yes. you were doing whatever you had to do Shirley
0: Rose you mentioned that you moved when you were eight from Honduras how did that move affect you and your siblings I honestly my experience was completely different than theirs they just kind of went through the motions whereas I did everything and anything that any teacher ever brought to me field trips competitions future business leaders of America dance teams everything that anybody ever brought up to me I wanted to learn what it was I wanted to do it so um, my, whereas my family they all knew school was important they went through the motions of school and then they left without really a plan, whereas with me is, okay, here, I'm gonna do all these activities, and by the time I graduate, I wanna go to college, and I had an idea from the time I was 10, 11 of what I wanted to do with my life, which changed at 17 when I first got the, uh, my brain tumor, the brain tumor that I have.
2: Car- Carlos, what did you imagine yourself being, when you were,
1: were you younger, what were you gonna be as an adult?
14: I always knew and I always wanted to uh, be a business
1: owner. Uh, you're living in Honduras, and how young were you when
14: you got that idea? I was 14 years old. And what gave you that idea? Where'd you get that idea from? Um, I always wanted, I had the ambition to, to grow, and I wanted to um, get out of, you know, the standards and have a better life for my for, for my kids.
4: Uh-huh. Jim? So you had mentioned that you had a brain tumor at 17. How did that change your plans?
0: I started working as, at uh, the age of 14. Uh, from 14 to 17, I had always worked in an office in sales and marketing, um, in a dentist office, insurance. But when I turned 17, everything just kind of went upside down. It's still something that no one knows why I have it. So all of a sudden, I realized that I needed to make my so own. So you're job. still
4: you're still dealing with that right now. I still have it. So how does that impact you at work?
0: Um. In the last 19 years, it never really affected me as much. I would have to take a couple of days off every couple of months, but during the last year, I've had to work from home because of the uh, I get weekly attacks. So, um, but I have a great team. I've got a great family and husband, and they all help mm-hmm. me through it. So when how's that, how's that
1: affected you? How's that affected your building the business?
0: I'm glad that we're at the ninth year of our business. I couldn't start a business with the way I am right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when, I think someone else mentioned mm-hmm. this earlier, mm-hmm. I knew that I do don't do a, do have do a, a certainty. Lot of pl- do you do a lot of
1: planning for the I business? I do a lot of planning. And why, why is that?
0: Because I don't know how much longer I have. Mm-hmm. So every second, every week, every day, mm-hmm. I got to make sure that I do everything that I could possibly get done mm-hmm. when I'm well. Mm-hmm. I get the work of a month done in a Mm. few days. Mm
1: -hmm. Jim, what else you thinking? So uh,
4: I hear a sense of urgency around that. Also, I've heard hard work and I've heard, uh, you know, just kind of everything that you've brought to the table. How does that impact the culture of the company?
0: My my employees are my family, every single one of them. We have a construction and transportation has some of the highest turnover rates. We have, I would venture to say, one of the lowest in all of the DMV area our employees have started with us and they don't want to leave unless they have to move for some reason we treat them like family Um, I mentioned that a couple years ago there was a CEO that said that they would promise to pay all their employees uh, a salary of 50 and up or 75,000 and up I made that promise to my drivers and within a year we started implementing that and as of right now all of our like main core employees, everybody makes over 50k and up. Why, why, why do you do that? I wanted, I want to treat them the way I would like to be treated. And I had some great bosses all of my life, so we treat them the same way. I want to make sure that when they're out driving, they're not worried about paying the rent. They're not worried about paying a bill because they don't make enough money. They work crazy hours and I want them to, they're behind a dump truck that weighs, you know, Mm -hmm. 80,000 pounds. Mark, what else
2: you thinking? So what do you see for the future of the company?
0: It changes constantly. We didn't think we were going to do more than one truck. We just wanted vacation (laughs) and retirement money. Mm. But uh, now um, I really want this to be something that my kids can take Mm. over. What's the
1: website address of this organization?
0: haulingunlimited.com
1: Let me have that one more time.
0: haulingunlimited.com
1: We've been speaking with Rose and Carlos Bonilla, co-founders of Hauling Unlimited here on Executive Leaders Radio. And Mark, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had on the air, please? Yes, sir.
2: Today's show we had Dolly Oberoi, founder and CEO of C Squared Technologies, David Shedd, co founder and VP of Client Services from Mind's Eye Solutions, uh, Bill Ritchie and Andrea Barthello, co founders of Think Fun, and Rose and Carlos Bonilla, co founders of Hauling Unlimited.
1: Excellent. I'd like to thank my co hosts, Joe Applebaum Potomac Companies, Daniel Patterson, Brunch Digital, Jim Morgan, People Stretch Solutions, Shirley Maury, Hertzbach, and Mark Haas. Association for Enterprise Growth for giving me a hand, structuring the questions. help providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Uh, don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com. In order to learn more about our executive leaders, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us today.